0: Life Audio.
1: Uh Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to Questions with Caden. I'm going to be really honest with you right now. I have no idea what episode of Season 2 this is on. Ah, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. I just want to say, thanks for clicking on the podcast. I'm so happy you're back. Um, and if it's your first time, welcome. My name is Caden Fabrizio. I'm the host of this podcast where every single episode we ask one question and we break it down. Um, but today we are doing something a little bit different. We already did this in a previous episode and you guys loved it. So we brought it back. We got Mike Lusso back on the ones and twos. Yo, yo. And uh, we're happy he's here. I Honestly, I love when he's here. I love it. Like, I just feel so happy, and I just feel like just I, I don't know how else to describe it. I just love looking at Mike's face while I talk to you guys. It's just amazing, and he can chime in, and he's a like super smart guy, great theology, an amazing friend. He just Yona would not exist without him. I just I could talk all day about him, but he's right here and he's getting awkward, so I'm not gonna do it anymore. I love you. So today <laughs> we are um, asking ChatGPT more questions, but before we do that, we have a couple announcements. As always, number one. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast everywhere. It's the biggest thing that you can do to help support us um, because those subscriptions help the podcast grow and get more um, opportunities for people to see it. Secondly, I want to shout out Life Audio. If you like this podcast and you want more Christian podcasts, go ahead and go to lifeaudio.com. they got podcasts on parenting, theology, Bible studies, prayer, I think they have a couple Christian comedy podcasts. I mean, to be honest, none of them are as good as this one. But you can go have a good have a good time trying. Like Kaden, don't say that. That's not a good joke. Okay. And number three, uh, shout out you and me media. We are here as always in Pasadena, California, at the you and me media studios. Um, if you need a space to film a podcast, seriously, to shoot some photos, to have a creative session, if you need some creative advice or help. Just go to umemedia.co and uh, you can book this space I'm sitting in. You could sit in my comfy chair right here if you want to. This could be yours. You just have to book it and pay for it. Okay, next one. And I think final announcement. Um, We have merch, as always. Go to CadenFabrizio.com, click the shop button, and you can get your merch. It ships decently quick, I'm going to be honest. I think you'll get it in like three weeks, which is pretty good. And, um... Yeah, make sure you get these pieces and these designs before they are gone because they will be gone before summer comes. Okay. Is that everything? I believe so. Okay, cool. Well, today we are asking ChatGPT again, the theologian and pastor chat. We're asking the question, why don't people want to be Christians? And ChatGPT came up with, I don't know, there's a 15 or 20. It's about 10. Okay. Yeah. Nowhere close. There's 10, like... Uh, topics, really, uh, and reasons why most people don't want to be Christians, and Mike's going to rapid fire maybe five to six of them, and I'm going to do my best to try and answer this question. I'm really hoping and praying and believing that this episode is going to be a great episode for you to send to your friends, to your family members, and to those people you've had conversations with that are struggling with these things. They're like, I kind of want to be a Christian, but this, or I want to be a Christian, but I just don't understand, or "I, I just can't see why people... If they're there or if you're there, I'm just praying and hoping that this uh, podcast is really going to help you today. So, Mike, go ahead and throw the first one at us. All right,
0: let's go. So we asked J- ChatGPT, what are some hesitations people have converting to Christianity? And the first one it came up with uh, was doubts about, uh, doubts about the existence of God. And then it goes on to explain, some people may struggle with questions about the existence of God or find it difficult to believe in a higher power.
1: That's that's tough. It's true. True, yeah. So what what's the can you can you say it one more time?
0: So number one was doubts about the existence of God. Some people may struggle with the questions about the existence of God or find it difficult to believe in a higher power. So yeah, I think so it's basically, basically just a basic disbelief, I would say. Yeah,
1: like how is God even real? Yeah. Basically. You know, I think I heard this one time and it kind of blew my mind and uh am I coming through? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, The mic's just a little low for me, so I don't know. um, I've heard this before, and I thought it was genius. If you look at our world, everything in our world points to the creator of something. So, like, my Converse I have on right now didn't just happen on accident. They point to Nike, who bought Converse, that is now creating these Converse. Everything around us points to some sort of creation. Nothing happens in our world on accident. Like, even if... I was thinking about this the other day. Even, like, the Big Bang Theory, the theory that, like, nothing ran into nothing and then created something, essentially, is a wild theory because scientists can't even prove it because they can't replicate it at all. If you ask a scientist, hey, if I had nothing in my hand and I threw it against nothing, what would happen? It'd go, nothing. Like, there's no... Things don't just happen on accident. There's always going to be uh, evidence of a creator. There's absolute truth in our world, whether you want to deny it or not. If, there's, if this pillow was red, which it's not. It's clearly like cream. If this pillow was red, and we all knew it was red, but Mike was colorblind, and he came in the room and said, that pillow is green, we would all go, no, it's not. It's red. It's red. Everybody would know whatever Mike thought or wanted to believe would not be true because we understood that this pillow was red and that's the absolute truth. Our world has absolute truth all around it. That points to the creator. I heard one time someone say like, if you walked into a house, a house points to a builder. Like, so if, if you walked into a house, you wouldn't just be like, wow, I just can't believe this brand new, like complex just popped up out of nowhere. You go, no, like, A builder came and purchased the land and then worked hard to construct this home. I think that's the same way with God. I think if you are would consider yourself like logical, analytical, would consider yourself smart or even scientific, I think you can really start to do your research and look around you at all the things around you and say, nothing in this world happens. There's always a cause. Nothing happens on accident. There's always cause. There's always effect. And I think you can use that logic to point back to a creator that um, is obviously more powerful than us. Thoughts? No, that's
0: all. I mean, it's kind of like I, I was just having uh, thoughts about, let's say, the Mona Lisa, right? I think most people wouldn't know who painted or created the Mona Lisa. It's And it's a good example of kind of a, what a relic is. It's just so old yeah. historically And people kind of view Christianity the same way as it's a a relic of of religion, right? It's just there. Um, So you look at the Mona Lisa, despite it being a relic and not knowing who made it or where it came from, you still acknowledge that someone painted it. Absolutely. Despite how old it is. So I think people just look at the concept of religion, Christianity, or even God and just like, it's just such an old concept, Um, but you still look at creation and, you know, understand that there should be a creator. Absolutely.
1: So good. Yeah, I think that helps answer the question. Throw us number two.
0: All right. Uh, Next one is historical and scientific conflicts. So certain individuals may have reservations about how Christianity aligns with scientific theories or historical events, such as the creation story in Genesis or the miracles described in the Bible.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think you become a mature Christian, you start to understand that like Christianity is not against science. If anything, science proves the the evidence of God. And there's a lot of science out there. Like even the old earth science theory that says like earth is millions and millions and millions of years old, which the Bible would actually say it's not. Even scientists are finding evidence of that more so than evidence of a, a super old earth. Um, I actually just watched a documentary the other day where scientists were finding evidence of the flood, Noah's flood. And they were seeing it. I obviously am not a scientist and I don't know things about like rocks and sediment and things like that. But they were talking about um, where they find fossils and where they're finding different layers of rock and how the rock is like how m- mountains were formed in certain areas and how um, like you go to Arizona and you can go look at like in Flagstaff or at the Grand Canyon. And you can see these layers of rock and sediment that actually like if the earth was two million years old and evolved in the way that uh, old earthers would say it did, the rock and sediment would actually not settle in the way in which it does now. Um, and they have found like oh, I forget where it was, but it's somewhere in like Arizona. They can go to a side of like one of those, you know, those red mountains, like those red Rocky Mountains. They go to the side of those things and they're pulling out like fish bones in the middle the middle sediments of um, those formations proving things like a, a mass flood. They're finding bones from one type of uh, animal species that would typically be located in one certain part of the planet, like spread across the entire world. Um, they're finding like su- crazy evidence for things in the Bible. And so I would say um, even with that book, The Case for Christ, have you heard about that book, Mike? Yep. It's a book about a guy who basically searches to disprove Jesus and the idea of God um, by using science and using theory and using logic, and he ends up, in fact, discovering uh, that God is actually real. So I would say this. I'd say often I think Christians, we get defensive of science because there's a lot of loony science. There's a lot of pseudoscience of just like men can have babies and junk like that now. But like to think typically good science – uh, Christians don't need to be afraid of. Um, I think they can discern well uh, how science points to the Creator.
0: Yeah, um, I think I was trying to look it up, but if if you guys are interested, I would say look up an uh, individual called, uh, his name is Jay Warner Wallace, and he has a website called Cold Case Christianity. His background is, uh, he was a cold case detective. He was actually on I forgot the TV show. Uh, It was like an old TV show where they would like actually solve cold cases. So he has cops, um, (laughs) right? Um, But he, that's his background. And he, he does a lot of um, uh, evidence of Christ, evidence of Christianity videos and, and literature. And I remember he was talking specifically about how he broke down, how um, uh, if not most, but all major sciences, were created and start started and founded by christians. Yeah, I've actually heard that too. So, it's it's something that it what's happening is that it's only in recent history that we see a lack of christians in the arts and in like major sciences and stuff like that, and that's why we see are we're seeing such a cultural shift. But you know, I would say during the time of the enlightenment and even years decades prior, christians were heavily involved in uh the majority of most different uh different areas of different industries specifically the sciences the arts
1: even like astrology and stuff like that we were cracking the code for that kind of things way in advance no it's super interesting it's funny how the world has done a really good job and the enemy has done a really good job of trying to pit faith and logic against each other like the enemy has really done a fantastic job of being like Oh, well, you can't have both. And logic disproves faith and disproves Christianity. When really, it's you, if you do your own research, you go, "Oh my gosh the the amount that Christi- that that science points to Christianity and points to the evidence of God is actually overwhelming." Even like the idea of um, the universe and the fact that the universe is expanding at like a very intricate rate. Um, if the universe stopped expanding, we would like lose gravity and like everybody would die. If we were like, what is it like millimeters closer to the sun? Yeah, kilometers closer yeah. to the sun. Closer or farther away? We burn up. Yeah. We die. Like we freeze. We yeah. freeze. Like there's just too many things that if you are actually uh, an analytical and you're actually smart, you're going. You wouldn't just go, oh, coincidence. Because if you're a true analytical and you're a true like scientist, you get to the. You try to get to the bottom of the things. Like you don't just go you in nothing in your life you would just stop at oh it's a coincidence yeah
0: coincidence is like one or two things happening to be the same yeah design is when it's literally everything it's like you look at the the stars you look like you look at human dna you look at how there's just a, an imprint of a creator yeah in every single living being or thing that is created and you say every single one of those is just coincidence
1: exactly that doesn't make any sense no <laughs> that'd be bad logic yeah yeah so actually, there's an article one of my mentors sent to me just recently. I will put it in the in the description because I can't remember it or pull it up. But it talked about all the non-coincidences of that show evidence, scientific evidence of a creator. And it might be interesting for you guys to read. Blew my mind. I actually started crying when I read the article, which is easy to make me do. Okay, next question. <laughs>
0: All right. So next one is on religions and worldviews. So people may have hesitations about leaving their current religious beliefs or adopting a new worldview. They may question the uniqueness of Christianity or wonder how it compares to other
1: religions. That's an interesting question. So I guess like if we're going to phrase it in a question, which helps me answer it, it would be like, what is the validity of Christianity opposed to like other religions, essentially?
0: Yeah, and this kind of I'm gonna combine this with another point because they're kind of the same. So another one is religious exclusivity: the belief that Christians claim to be the only true religion can be a stumbling block for those who embrace religious pluralism, pluralism or have respect for other faith traditions. So it's, it's uh, the question version of this would be: How is Christianity true when there's so many different religions and worldviews? What makes Christianity so unique or the right one?
1: Yeah, no, that's great. And I, why and why should I leave my totally why Islamic should I leave faith Buddhism? Yeah and become a Christian? Absolutely. No, it's it's a great question. I think, uh, again, we can go to Scripture first, but if you don't believe Scripture, you're not going to believe anything past it. So I'll start there, and then we can talk about some other things. But uh, Scripture, Jesus says that He is the way, the truth, and the life, that nobody will come to the Father except through Him, and nobody will have eternal life except through Him and His way to the Father. And so... um, Script, based off scripture, we can see that Jesus is the way to everlasting life. It is the way to what many other uh, forms of religion would call like spiritual enlightenment um, or like the purpose of living. Um, but there's there aside from that, there's like just so much evidence, physical evidence for the life of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. Um, I would say, number one, Jesus is the only deity who who came in human form um, that has a claim to still be alive. So like Muhammad and Buddha, de- dead, right? Like, we, you can go visit their gravesites. For us, there's no gravesite. Jesus got up and rose. And um, what's interesting about that is that there is... Tons and tons and tons of evidence of, of people encountering Jesus post his death in the flesh. I think there's over two thousand recorded instances outside of Scripture of people encountering Jesus and meeting him and seeing him and being like, "Shouldn't you be dead?" And him being like, "I came back to life." Secondly, you can see evidence in the life of his disciples, Jesus' disciples, and how he uh, and how they lived their lives post Jesus' death and resurrection. These guys were spreading the word of God, were spreading the gospel, the message of Jesus, the hope of Jesus, and were being killed, martyred, heads chopped off, crucified, having brutal deaths, stoned. Like they were going through the worst of the worst. And um, there's actually a story in scripture, again, where um, the Pharisees, when they're plotting to kill Jesus and stop this move of God that they called the way, they literally say, hey, just kill Jesus because we've seen this before. Somebody comes and makes a claim. Once you kill the leader, it fizzles out. But what actually happened is when Jesus died, the disciples actually got like, they got empowered by what we would say the Holy Spirit. But they actually, the movement got stronger. And the case for Christianity began to spread. And it spread through um, even these people being martyred and brutal deaths. Like if they were lying, they probably would have given up. Like if they were lying, they probably wouldn't have been like, yeah, I'm willing to get my head cut off for this. Um, so I think what those things prove is um, the validity of the story. Um, but I would also say when it comes to Christianity, Christianity is the only religion, so to speak, where you don't have to do anything to receive X, Y, Z. In Christianity, Uh, Muhammad and Buddha, and we can just keep going down the list, say, here's the things that you have to do and do perfectly in order to reach enlightenment or life beyond the grave. Jesus goes, you don't got to do anything. You just have to receive. Receive what he already did. And I think what's interesting about that is that someone that's not God would need you to do something because they don't have the power to provide in the way that someone who is God does. So I think Jesus, he doesn't need you to do anything. He says, I did it all. I died on the cross. I'd bear your sins. I bore your depression. I bore your anxiety. I bore your addiction. I bore your circumstances. I took it all so that I could give you something. And I think that was kind of differentiates Christianity from any other religion, is this free gift that, that Christ and God really gives us any thoughts, Mike? Yeah. I
0: think, I think you put it uh, pretty plainly right there. Uh, Another good point is that every other world religion, it's about how you work your way towards God. It's what can you do to be as moral as possible, to be somewhat good enough to be presentable, to reach enlightenment, whether that's eternity or whatever that religion claims their eternity is. Christianity is, is and, and this is like a Christianese kind of term where it says it's not a religion, it's a relationship because it is God coming down to us, yeah, right? Similar to that, that story of uh, the Tower of Babel, they were trying to work their way towards God. And that's why God, you know, broke it down and separated them and said, no, you don't need to come up to me. I plan to come down to you. Yeah, it's so good. So it's like that is, that is the difference. And that is, uh, in a lot of ways, it's a stumbling block because people don't like that. Yeah. We don't like that natu- as, as um, sinful beings. Um, we don't like that concept. So it's very hard for us to digest it.
1: Yeah. That's so good. I love that, bro. See, so guys, Mike is just a lovely addition to Questions with Kaden, <laughs> don't you think? I want to leave in the comments everywhere, just put a couple hearts and Mike everywhere. Oh my gosh. Like a couple blue hearts. Honestly, I feel like I want to get you a camera because <laughs> you're talking way more. No, it's fine. You know what <laughs> It's fine. That okay. fine. All right. Okay. Um,
0: some of these kind of like are similar. So I'm going to start like kind of, if I notice, I'm going to tie them kind of together. Yeah, You can
1: just like read them and tie them, like read them all together, and then like phrase them into one question yeah. for me.
0: So this one is personal experiences and suffering. Past experiences of pain, suffering, or personal tragedy can lead to doubts about God's goodness or effectiveness of prayer. And I want to tie that to another one that says, um, there was kind of three. So institutional concerns and emotional barriers. Some individuals may have reservations about organized religion, denominational differences, or negative experiences with religious institutions and leaders. And past hurts, disappointments, or emotional struggles can make it challenging for individuals to embrace a new faith and trust in God. So I would say uh, the question uh, version of this is um, uh, bias towards Christianity in general, whether it's good or bad. So some people might have, uh, let's say they grew up Christian, but their parents got divorced or maybe they went to church one, one time, a couple of times, and didn't feel very loved when they went there. Mm -hmm. Um, So how would someone navigate uh, pursuing Christianity
1: again if they have a negative bias towards the faith? Because of past experiences or people or like what you said, like even how they've seen mismanagement of the institution of religion. Or even
0: maybe they have a certain theology or doctrine puts a bad taste in their mouth.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's a great question. I would start with we got to work on our perspective a little bit first before we can answer this question. I would say we have to first identify who God is for us. And we have to identify what we believe in terms of who his character is and who he is. Um, for me, and what I would encourage for you, is that how you identify God should never be from what you saw in other people. So there's a book called The Bible that's full of characteristics and explains who God is, how He operates, who Jesus is, how He operates in the New Covenant, uh, how He handles people, the characteristics of Jesus. I always say the fruits of the Spirit help you outline the characteristics of Jesus because those fruits of the Spirit are His characteristics. That's why they manifest through you once He's living inside of you. Um, You have to first believe who God is alone, not who God has been um, portrayed to be through the lens of other people. I said this in the last podcast, actually, and I'll say it again. If you were listening to somebody cover your favorite artist song, Mike, what's your favorite artist? Uh... <laughs> let's just say, let's just say Justin Bieber. Sure. Okay. Sure. So if you're listening to somebody sing your favorite Justin Bieber song and they're terrible at it, like just the worst singer in the world, you would not go from that instant, you would not go, wow, Justin Bieber sucks. You'd go, wow, that portrayal of Justin Bieber really sucks. What oftentimes happens within the church for us is that we see somebody portray Jesus that sucks. But instead of us going, man, that guy does not portray the God I know. That guy does not portray any qualities of Jesus. Wow, there's no fruit from that guy's life. He doesn't look anything or she doesn't look anything like the Jesus I know and I read about and I have an intimate relationship with. Instead, we often go, oh, wow, that person sucks, so God must suck. Oh, wow, that person mishandled finances inside the church, so God must mishandle finances. Oh, wow that person was a hypocrite so god must be a hypocrite oh that guy cheated on his wife so that means god must be a liar we make the mistake of basing experiences and making those experiences the characteristics of god which i'm to be truthful with you because i love you that is extremely small-minded extremely small-minded and nobody likes to be called small-minded especially in this, in this world, in this culture where we're like, Oh, everyone's like so smart. And like, we have like our own truths. And like, we're so like, come on, let's think logically. Let's actually think about how we view things in the real world. Like, like for instance, often what you see is, um, and and I heard this because the other day, this is a long unneeded story that I'm going to share anyway. Mike, what, how much time do we have? You're good. Okay. Uh, I went to somebody's house that I didn't really know. And they asked me, they go, what do you do for a living? And so I start telling them what I do for a living, which is technically I'm a pastor. And they uh, start making jokes about how I like to take people's money. So I am like laughing along because what am I going to do, get hurt about their own hurts? Like, no. It's not true, but that's their experience that they're basing on everyone. So later, they go to play poker. And they go, hey, Caden, do you want to play poker with us? I know you love taking people's money. Something has happened in that person's life where they have seen an instance where somebody who's associated with the church has mishandled money. But they've allowed that instance or that rumor or whatever that is to outline every single thing that they believe about one topic that's truthfully it's ignorant like if if you allow one thing to help you identify the entire genre of something without getting a full picture you're jumping to conclusions and i don't think you have a full picture of of what it is so
0: any thoughts mike yeah, so I, I kind of, uh, when you brought up the point is of when someone offends us, let's say specifically someone who's a Christian, and our tendency to is to blame God, there's actually a reason for that. Um, Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 7 to 9 says, Paul says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, for it nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And this now talking about the Christian but that beginning part where it says because a carnal mind is enmity against God. And enmity, the definition is the state of feeling the state or feeling of being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. Wow. So when it says that we are at enmity of God, are before if you're a non believer, um your fleshly desire is to be opposed to God. Wow. So when you see God's church, his children, they do things and they do something you don't like, and your inclination is to blame God. Yeah. That's a carnal desire. That's that's actually a carnal mind. Mm-hmm. Not saying that your feelings and um, what you went through isn't valid, but the inclination to double down on those feelings. And to pit that
1: against God. Yeah, and yeah. to pit
0: it against God, Scripture says that that is of a carnal mind because there is a way to handle... Uh, issues within the church when someone offends you yeah um, the bible is very clear on those things but when your your issue when your desire is to take those things and add evil to evil that is what that is what scripture calls a carnal mind instead of saying hey how can i add good to this evil
1: yep that's so good dude it's, it's fantastic uh okay there's like a second part of that question i didn't answer it's like a, when someone's morals or what they believe doesn't line up with christianity right? Um, It's another point. I I haven't read that one yet. Oh,
0: I thought you did. It was personal experiences and suffering and then institutional concerns, emotional barriers. you got it? Did I touch it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The next one is moral and ethical considerations. Some individuals may have concerns about aligning their personal values and beliefs with Christian teachings, particularly on controversial topics such as human sexuality, gender roles, or social issues.
1: Yeah, that's good. You got to mute that. The phone, just put it because it'll pick it up. Yeah. Um, no, that's a great question. And again, this is another question that it, it's really it's hard to answer. Um, I think if you don't have like an understanding of scripture, or you don't believe scripture, or you don't like believe in God, I think you have to obviously start foundationally at I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, I am saved. Um, but we all know those people, and you might be one of them, which is okay. You're on a journey, and you're learning and growing. But they, we all know those people that. Are saved, do believe in God, but they struggle with these ideas of like, oh, but homosexuality is a sin, but like I have so many friends that are that are homosexual and I love them. Like, or like doesn't God want them to be happy, or they struggle with these other moral ideals. I think this question I can only answer for a believer. And I think if you are a believer, you cannot allow your life to outline the Bible. The Bible has to outline your life. What I mean by that is that you can't allow cultural standards and cultural norms to, um, to influence your understanding of scripture. You have to understand that scripture, the word of God is where you start. It's your foundation. It is your, it is absolute truth. If you believe that God is God, Jesus is is Lord and Savior of your life. He is God. He rose from the dead. Then you must believe that the word of God is true. And you must start in the Word of God by saying the Word of God outlines my life, and I, I don't even think it's wrong to read Scripture and read a Scripture that you don't necessarily agree with. I don't think that's wrong. I think it's it's wrong when you go, "Well, I don't agree with this, so I'm not going to live by it," because either all of Scripture is true or none of it is. You don't get to pick and choose. Unfortunately, like we don't get to just pick a, a pick apart things that sound good and, and tickle our, our feathers and make us feel good. And those are the things we'll live by that wouldn't make you a Christian. That'd make you a moralist. What you have to do is say, okay, God is God. God is truth. God has the best for me in mind, even if I don't understand it. And then you have to understand that scripture is going to outline your life and it's not going to be the opposite. And I think that, I think it's a simple answer to be honest. I don't know if I need to go anymore. No, that's it. Yeah. Um, I think we have one more or two more. Let me. What time, what time are we at?
0: We're at like just about 30 minutes. Oh, perfect. Yeah, we can do like one or two more. Okay. So next one is social and cultural factors. Fear of judgment or rejection by family, friends, or their community can be a significant hesitation for individuals considering converting to Christianity. So this is kind of like something that I would say a lot of ex-Mormons, ex-Jehovah's Witnesses, Ex Muslims, those who are practice Islam, I think this is like a question for them. How do they overcome
1: that fear? I would even say I'd say it's even for like people who have grown up in like atheistic cultures. Yeah, probably. I'd say this, and I think we talked about it a little bit in the last one too. And I'm probably going to say the identical thing because I think it's brilliant. I think uh, you have to define. You just stop being stop being afraid. Like you have to define the value of Christianity if you believe it, and you believe it's true then you have to live out of that truth and you cannot be afraid because if you value it and you truly believe it's true, then you should also believe that everybody around you needs to experience it as well. Everybody else would have a better life and would would experience more freedom and fullness if they knew Jesus. If you're a Christian and you've made the sacrifice of um, being different than the people around you, which means you've left Mormonism or you left Islam or you left being an atheist, or you left your friends that just, that just laugh at God, like you left all those cultures, you took a risk. Why hide it now? Because if you took the risk, then you knew it was valuable enough to make a risk for, right? You knew that it was worth it. So why now would you allow what God could do in your life and what God could do in your friend's life, why would you stop that? Because you're afraid of what they think of you. That's what scripture would call the fear of man. And, um, I know there's many scriptures that talk about the fear of man and Mike can probably pull up a couple for us right now. I can't list any off the top of my head, but it's important that through your value of understanding that Christianity is knowing Jesus is the greatest thing that anybody could ever experience or anybody could ever offer somebody else. If you live out of that truth, then there's no reason you should be afraid or you should be ashamed. What is it? Romans one 16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is what you should be living out of. I'm not ashamed of believing in Jesus. I'm not ashamed. Why? Because it has transformed my life. It has healed me. It has set me free. It has given me purpose. I'm not afraid of knowing Jesus, and I'm not afraid to tell people about it. Um, and that comes out of, obviously, knowing Jesus intimately, asking Holy Spirit to manifest some courage in your life and bravery. And, but then also, it's a perspective switch. It really is. So
0: I just asked uh, Pastor ChatGPT, <laughs> uh, I said, what does the Bible say about the fear of man? And it says, the Bible addresses the fear of man in several passages, highlighting its potential negative influence, and encouraging believers to trust in God rather than being consumed by the fear of people. Here are a few relevant verses. Proverbs 29, and I use ESV version. That's interesting that I decided to use ESV. Wow. <laughs> Proverbs 29:25. the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Psalm 118.6, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Isaiah 51.12, I I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies? The son of man who is made like grass. Galatians 1.10, For I am now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Finally, Matthew 10.28, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What's interesting is that after these verses, it gives like actually gives commentary. No way. And he says, these verses remind believers that placing ex- excessive importance on opinions, approval, or fear of people can be detrimental. Instead, they are encouraged to trust in the Lord, find the security in him, and seek his approval above human recognition. The fear of man can hinder one's faith, obedience to God, and ability to boldly live out their Christian convictions. However, it is important to note that the Bible also teaches believers to respect authority, love others, and exhibit humility. It does not advocate for a disregard of human relationships or a dismissal of legitimate concerns. The fear of man addressed in these verses primarily refers to an unhealthy, paralyzing fear that hinders a person's trust in God and obedience to his
1: will. Bro, Dang! Pastor ChatGPT! Pastor Chat, I don't, I think it, I think ChatGPT just stole my job. <laughs> Bro, that's is do you think AI is saved? Probably. This has to this he did not this was revealed to him by the Spirit. Absolutely. (laughs) That's revelation, bro. That's like that is He had a word. You actually know what's funny? I was thinking about this. I bet AI does believe in God because AI had a creator. So AI believes that believes in the baseline understanding that all things that are created have a creator. Yeah. So he AI could probably look at us one day when they're like in bodies and about to destroy us. They can probably look at us and be like, yeah, they have a creator. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
0: when they're about to send us all to heaven.
1: Yeah, have you ever seen iRobot? Yeah. I just think about that every time ChatGPT drops a bar. I'm like, now you're dropping bars, later you're going to be dropping cars on me. Mm -hmm. You just don't know. Is that our last question? Yeah. Awesome. Hey, thank you ChatGPT for that drop in the final bar. Hey guys, I hope this episode encouraged you and I hope you uh, had some new things to think about that stirred your faith, encouraged your faith, or even maybe helped you to um, share the gospel with your friends and your family and with people around you that have these questions and um, have these concerns and um, are trying to seek God, but just have these barriers they're trying to get by. Um, I really believe that this podcast can set some people free and allow them to, to meet Jesus. And so share this podcast with those people. The least they could do is listen. If they hate it, they hate it. Whatever, that's on me, not you. Um, we love you guys. We're praying for you. And um, be sure to subscribe and share this with a friend. And uh, we'll catch you next week. I think, I'm trying to like do the math in my head. I think next the next episode you guys will watch will be a Yona message, I think. We'll see. All right. Love you guys. at lifeaudio.com. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the
0: life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature,
1: architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.